from Him who opens hearts and opportunities in the ministry, and from Him who gives us the courage to go and proclaim the Word of God to others. Come on, grace and mercy and peace to each of you today. Amen. So our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 6 that serves as the focus for the sermon this morning. Nobody ever said that evangelism was going to be easy, did they? Nobody ever said that proclaiming the Word of God was going to be a piece of cake. For that matter, nobody ever said that life was going to be easy, did they? That's probably a matter of opinion, because I'm almost positive that at some point, somewhere in time, somebody probably did tell somebody that life was going to be easy, or that evangelism was going to be a little bit easier, or that proclaiming the Word of God was no big deal. Why? Because what do we typically do when we want to get somebody else to do something for us? We persuade them. I think it's interesting. I had a, a seminary professor at one point that uh, had told my class that he was never ceased to amaze him that every year with the new batch of seminarians coming in, they came in like a ball of fire, and they all had the zeal about them that they were going to be the savior of the church until they got into their first parish and really learned just how difficult reality was at times. You know, what makes it potentially hard to evangelize? Why is it difficult for us Christians to go and proclaim the Word of God? In my humble opinion, I think it comes down to the opinions of people. We're human beings. We're highly opinionated race, aren't we? Everybody has an opinion, and everybody thinks that their opinion is highly valuable. And God knows that not all of our opinions are agreeable, are they? So, as long as human beings keep being opinionated then, there will always be the, the, the potential for people to reject the Word of God, for it to be difficult to go and proclaim the Word of God. And so the way I see it then, there are typically two ways that people will approach a task of evangelism. On the one hand, you're going to have people that are going to run and hide from it because they're too scared or they think it's too hard because they're worried about the opinions of others, or perhaps because they're just not that confident in the gospel themselves. And then on the other hand, you're going to have people that will rush into evangelism like a bull in a china cabinet, thinking it's their way or the highway, or that they know what's best and how to persuade people to get the gospel. But any way you look at it, people are going to form their own opinions about the task of evangelism, and they're going to have their own opinions about the Word of God. You know, facing opposition when proclaiming God's message is nothing new. All you do is look at the, the poor prophets of the Old Testament and everything that they were up against. Ezekiel, Amos, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of them. I'm sure that they weren't really relishing the task of proclaiming God's Word, knowing that there was threats being breathed against their own lives. Most of the time, who did it come from? Their own people. Going to their own leaders and, and proclaiming God's judgment. And then in the New Testament, proclaiming God's Word changed from being exclusively for the Israelites to being all-inclusive to the Israelites and the Gentiles alike. 
And this might have seemed like a daunting task as well because now one's taking the message outside of the boundaries of the known. And so today we get this picture from Jesus of just how much opinions, even those from those closest to us, can be a deterrent to the Word of God. Returning to his hometown now, Jesus, as he often does wherever he goes, goes to the synagogue and begins to teach. And for some reason, these people who know Jesus are absolutely astounded by him. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to me? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and John and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? They're amazed at this Jesus who's supposed to be like them, right? This is a blue-collar town. This, this Jesus that they've known now all of a sudden is a learned man teaching in a synagogue and telling them things, things that they don't necessarily want to hear. And so now they turn on Jesus. What do they do? They, they change their opinion about Jesus. And Jesus is just as amazed by them as they are by him, only for a different reason. Why is Jesus amazed? He's amazed at his own people are rejecting the Word of God. He's amazed at their unbelief. So we find out here that even those who know us can have opinions that are deterrent to the advancement of the Gospel. Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And not only do they reject Jesus, but it appears that they can't even be persuaded by Jesus. So we find out that Jesus couldn't do any mighty works there except for healing a couple of people, a couple of sick. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that if I couldn't even evangelize my own family, <laughs> those closest to me, I might be discouraged or afraid to go out and evangelize the other people. I'm starting to see why some people run and hide. Opinions. Now, the opinion that evangelism is too difficult is just one opinion that that a Christian's have at times. There are some who have the opinion that it's solely the pastor's job to do it all. And then there are some people who have the opinion that evangelism just happens within the four walls of the church. Like this is the only place that God meets people. But we know from Jesus then that uh, that's not the case, right? We know from Jesus that God doesn't just meet people in church. And it's, he doesn't just work through a pastor to accomplish spreading his word either. We know that Jesus sent, goes out and meets people right where they're at in their own lives, in their own homes. And he sends the disciples out to do it. Two by two. To meet people in their own environments. People who are just like them. Blue collar workers, tent makers, fishermen, And he knows also that the disciples are going to encounter people who are going to have opinions. Not good opinions, but opinions that will reject. And it doesn't matter, though. Jesus doesn't wait for people to come to him. He's going to go out to them. And notice what he does then, right? He empowers the disciples when he sends them out. gives them authority over unclean spirits. And he sends them out, too, right? He sends them out and tells them, just take a staff and some sandals and one tunic. No bag, no money in your belts, no food. 
what's this mean now then? It means now that these disciples have to rely strictly on God to meet their needs, right? Everything to provide for them, not only for their physical needs, but their spiritual needs. And oh, by the way, they're going to have to rely on God to give them the word to proclaim. They're going to have to rely on God to send them where he wants them to go. Sufficiency of God. Maybe, maybe God doesn't send them with a lot of things because perhaps they need to show people just how all-encompassing and all-sufficient God is for all things. And maybe they need to be shown, too, that you need to put aside your earthly cares and rely on God to show you how to proclaim the gospel and how to persuade people. You know, God sends us out as well to meet others where they are. Taking the gospel to bring the healing and the power and the strength of Christ that we've been given. We don't know where he's going to send us or how he's going to send us or who he's going to call us to go to. But I can tell you this. We need to rely on God just like the disciples do. Rely on him to meet our needs, but also to rely on him to give us the word. To give us the wisdom in how we proclaim the gospel to others. We need to ask God for guidance and wisdom and take a loving approach with those we encounter. And perhaps, rather than going out there and having and forming our own opinions and making assumptions about others, we need to encounter others and listen to them first. Think about it for a moment. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to anger. You shouldn't just dismiss the opinions of others, but listen to them first. Hear what they have to say. And from there, we can learn more about the person and report back to Jesus. Go to Jesus in prayer and tell him about our conversations with other people. You know, is there still work that needs to be done in that person? Ask Jesus to send the Holy Spirit. Was there progress made when you were evangelizing to somebody? Give praise and thanks for God showing favor to them. Did you have questions that were difficult that you couldn't answer? Ask God for guidance and wisdom. And don't stop there. Evangelism isn't just about spreading the word, but it's also about growing in our own faith, maturing as a disciple. We need to continue to grow in God's word through daily Bible study and worship and fellowship. And when we do these things and we start to grow, you might find that your opinion of evangelism can change for the better. And yeah, we're going to encounter people out there who aren't going to receive us as well. Think about that too. They're not going to listen to us, and we're going to want to shake the dust off of our feet and move on. That doesn't mean that we stop loving people, does it? Somebody doesn't want to hear the word, do we just reject them and discard them like a piece of trash? No. That's not the case. Before I get to that, I want to back up for a minute and talk about the way that we approach people. Because part of evangelism in our minds is persuading people and having our own ideas about how we approach evangelism and take the word of God to other people. 
right? We talked about running from it and being too afraid, right? We talked about how we need to grow in God's Word and be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to go out and rely on God to give us what we need. And we talked about how we need to approach others and listen. And I think listening is is a big key to anything that we do as God's disciples. Because how do we know how to approach them? How do we know how to pray for people if we can't listen to what their concerns are? I was listening to or reading a, a book by a woman named Amy Person who wrote this thing called Illustrations from Literature. And she had this to say. She says, in our eagerness to get people to do what we want, we sometimes forget the admonition of Scripture to be controlled by love. And when that happens, we quickly resort to nagging and scolding. And that does more harm than good. Let me think about that, about being controlled by love, being controlled by God in that sufficiency. Because that speaks volumes about Christianity, about what God is about. If we rushed right out there and spewed hatred towards every single person that we saw based on assumptions, based on looks, based on economic status, do you think people would really come to God? What if God changed his opinion of us and saw that we were too hard-headed, that we couldn't be filled with his love anymore and decided to scrap us all? Where would we be? It's a scary picture for sure. And fortunately, God didn't do that. Fortunately, God decided to come to meet us right where we're at in our everyday lives in a manner that we can understand. Fortunately, God's opinion was that we are redeemable people. That's the kind of love that our God gives us and that he calls us to take out to others. I don't know about you, but I've seen people who preach hellfire and brimstone and there's no gospel there. Now, law has its place for sure. Don't get me wrong. But you got you to gotta follow it with love. And so I want to get back now to those who reject because we could get rejected and forget that we still need to love our neighbors. We still need to love human beings for who they are and still take God's love because you never know how God's going to work. There was this pastor from Texas in the, in about 20, 30 years ago who one day his deacon came to him and told him about a friend of his who had been this president of this large corporation. But then he got cancer, and the corporation ruthlessly dumped him. And so the deacon told the pastor that he wanted to go see his friend. And when they got there, the deacon said, Jack, you speak so openly about the brief life you have left, but I wonder if you prepared for life after death. And Jack stood up now, angry and shaking and livid, and shook his fist at him and said, you question mark asterisk hashtag every other blank, blank, blank Christians. All you ever think about is what's going to happen to me after I die. If your God is so great then, why doesn't he do something about the real problems in life? And then Jack went on to say that his wife was going to be penniless when he died. And his daughter would have no money for college. And then he booted the pastor and the deacon out of the house. Later on, the deacon went back to the pastor and said, you know, I've been working I, you know, on some things for this man, Jack. Let's go back and see him one more time. And they did. 
And they got back there, and the pastor apologized for offending Jack. But then he says, I've been, I've been at work on your behalf since the last time we met. And I want you to know that I found a realtor in the congregation who's willing to sell your house and give you the commissions from the sale. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to take over your payments until your house sells. And oh, by the way, I've got somebody else in the congregation who owns apartments down the street who's going to give you an apartment for free, a three-bedroom nonetheless, and is going to give you $850 a month if you were willing to collect rent. And oh, by the way, the proceeds from the house will pay for your daughter's education. I just want you to know, Jack, that I love you and that your family is going to be cared for. And Jack cried like a baby, but he passed away without ever coming to Christ, but Jack's wife saw what went on, and she received the Lord. My whole point is, is that you don't know how God's going to work. But I do know that we have to go out and be courageous and evangelize. Because evangelism is about love. It's about listening and proclaiming and action. It's about growing and maturing in the faith. It's about facing opinions and changing opinions. It's meeting people and their opinions right where they're at. And it's all about God's love for his creation. And what's the result of evangelism then? It's, well, it's fresh air from the Holy Spirit of Christ for our faith. It's God through the strength of his word and the presence of his spirit that's going to lead us through our times of conversation and consolation with two and four others. But more than that, it's through his word of promise that God leads us back to himself. That's the God that we have. Be bold. Be courageous. Grow in your faith. And help others receive the Lord as well. To God be all the glory. Amen.